SARMs causing cancer. I'm Dr. Tony Huge, and here with an above-ground scientist, Dr. Don Jaquish, and an underground scientist, Big Coach Trevor. And they aren't prepared for this topic because I want to hear their first thoughts off the top of their head when they hear whether or not, uh, or that some people are claiming that anabolic SARMs, which are selective androgen receptor modulators, not GW50516 or carterine, that is a compound that is not a SARM, but it's oftentimes lumped in the same category because it's also a research chemical. So setting carterine GW aside, that's not a muscle builder, we're talking about muscle building selective androgen receptor modulators and the potential for causing cancer. Now, I'm gonna give uh, some of my background on it and then give us your different analysis of it. Uh, I've been using SARMs for six years. I have had cancer screening done, which is blood work. It is not conclusive of whether you have cancer or not because it can't detect all types of cancers, but it detects many types of cancers. My cancer screening came back that I do not have most types of cancers. Uh, I did have a skin cancer scare on my leg, but it completely resolved itself. So if it was cancer, then it was cured, which is the nature of cancer. Your body's constantly battling cancer. There's always cancer in your body. And it's, a, it's an equation of your body's ability to identify cancer and your immune system's ability to kill the cancer versus the rate of cancer growth. If you understand that, you understand the mechanisms of action, how cancer works, then you finally can understand the biology and actually dissect and hypothesize how something could affect cancer growth. And we know that growth hormone can grow cancer, grow tumors, because it grows everything in the body. But here we have selective androgen receptor modulators, which were designed to be anabolic, mostly in muscle tissue, and we know they're not exclusively selective, that they do have some impact on other parts of the body, but they were designed synthetically to replace testosterone with having less side effects, to replace steroids with having less side effects, because steroids hit a lot of different receptors all over the body. And when we're trying to build muscle, we want to isolate building muscle with having less impact on other cells in the body, hence selective androgen receptor modulators. So I've been using them for six years. I don't have any apparent signs of cancer. My blood screening says I don't have cancer. I have uh, a friend, friends, who had been using SARMs for about f uh, 12 years now. Still no cancer. Remember, I megadose SARMs. I do experiments with 10 times the reasonable dosage of SARMs to see how it impacts my body so that other people don't have to risk their health. And that is part of my contribution to society is risking my health for the furtherance of science. So I have not seen any practical real world evidence of SARMs causing any cancer. That being said, you know, cancer can be something that is sparked now and doesn't grow for 20, 30 years. We don't know what's going to happen 30, 40, 50 years from now. What do you think, Dr. Jaquish, about, since you're also on the editorial board of the Journal of Horm uh, Steroids and Hormonal Sciences, right. and you have a lot of knowledge about steroids and SARMs, do you speculate that SARMs could have a potential for exacerbating or starting some types of cancer? Well, number one, uh, the link between testosterone, most of these are an approach to increase the amount of receptors of testosterone or receptor activity. Uh, testosterone itself has a really weak link to cancer. So like though you hear when you watch CNN uh, that there's a link between cancer and steroids, there isn't one. Yeah, and it would yeah. be the secondary, the IGF, 
because you do get increased response in other hormones, yep. IGF being one. I, IGF is different. But then these are designed, now we're speaking generically about a bunch of different SARMs and, and they're made by different companies and they have different processes, but um, they're supposed to be very targeted on one particular type of tissue. That's, that, that is their design. Right, so actually. If anything, they're going to be less uh, triggering of something we're not looking for because they're very targeted. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So like not only is testosterone not indicated there, but anything that's more selective with the action of testosterone with its receptors would, I, I don't see how that could possibly be linked to any type of cancer growth. So yeah, if you bring up, even if testosterone causes cancer at the androgen receptor, with all those different switches, they'll bind to a certain switch on there that has its own effect. And the SARM has its own effect as well. But testosterone, if you look at it too, we would be able to isolate to the androgen receptor what's happening. Now disposing of it or metabolization of it is one thing. But if you go back to the structure or the molecule, just look how you, how you would, the reaction that it takes to make a SARM and to make a steroid. Now, they're just designer steroids. So the reaction, same, the same chemicals are used. If you're doing the same chemicals, multiple reactions and washing, we can say the chemical itself isn't toxic. So where, where does the cancer come from? I don't know where it's coming from. Well, and now, now we have like breast cancer with women. Uh, that is estrogen mm -hmm. sensitive. But there's really no type of cancer that's testosterone sensitive. So we have the prostate, right? And that's the conversion of the, the DHT, right? Yeah. And DHT is only one small factor in the growth of prostate cancer. Right. Overemphasis. The metabolite of DHT actually goes to the anastrogen receptor. That is, so that's the part of DHT. When they talk about cancer in relation to DHT, there's that estrogen receptor that one of those metabolites goes to. When it's done, it converts back to DHT as well. So with SARMs, Especially with, you know, if we can skip that first pass or the passing of the liver, um, we're actually able to do it without affecting DHT. And we have the paperwork for it. We have lab work for it. So if we're not affecting DHT, other hormones, there's really no other, unless it's that direct cellular thing at the androgen level. Back when I did deep research on prostate cancer because it was one of my concerns when I decided to start ta uh, taking steroids and SARMs. Uh, I found, and this is from memory and things could have changed, and this is just based on the research that I found, which I might not have found all the research out there, that about, uh, of, the, of the really educated, uh, very knowledgeable people on prostate cancer, about 65% of them thought it was DHT based. Not as much as you think. And then there was about 25% that said it was more estrogen based. Estrogen was a bigger factor in prostate cancer than that. And then the rest were like other factors that had that. But SARMs don't, in, don't have much impact on any of those. Like the main causes, the, all the 90% of the causes of prostate cancer, SARMs actually don't work through any of those pathways to do anything in the body so they rate SARMs based on your prostate your angina anabolic scale is rated on its affinity to binding in the prostate 
You're not affecting any of this with SARMs. Some of the SARMs actually decrease, according to rat studies, decrease prostate cancer. Cure, even cure prostate cancer. That's why they're designed. Right. And estrogen, again, yeah, you take it in the AI. Look at IGF. You take tamoxifen to get rid of your IGF. They use this in cancer with stem cells. Get rid of your estrogen, get rid of the cancer. That's the, it's not that it causes cancer, but it exacerbates it. The IGF, the splitting, you need estrogen to grow, and that goes both ways. Okay, keep in mind that these SARMs in clinical settings are, and for therapeutic purposes are used in very low dosages to replace testosterone replacement therapy mm-hmm. and, and other anabolics in order to have uh, or treat or cure prostate cancer, but if we increase the dosage to the extreme dosages that I experiment with that I don't advocate other people do, but I personally feel comfortable doing it on myself, then we don't know what all the side effects could do, could be. So let's just talk about uh, putting it in context. So mm-hmm. we have something, because a lot of doctors say this, okay, Dr. Jaquish, a lot of doctors and scientists say this. They say, whoa, I'm scared of that compound because we don't know what it could do. 20 years from now in the body, we're not sure what is going to happen. Hey, to get <laughs> FDA approval, you got to have one study that showed effectiveness with statistical significance and no adverse reactions given whatever that, that time period is. Now, there could have been 15 other studies that they threw away and didn't publish because they got the dosage wrong or there was a tainted sample or maybe a bunch of people got cancer. Uh, so, you know, when they say, well, we don't know what's going to happen in 20 years with this new group of chemicals. Well, there's already been positive trials on all the SARMs that are out there, which meets the minimum standards of an FDA trial, which would, which would deliver FDA approval if these companies were to apply for FDA approval for them. So it's like, you know, do you take, uh, anything else? You take Allegra for your, for your, you know, your allergies. And well, even the medication we have now, we look at all the side effects that come up tomorrow, every day, tomorrow, there's always a new side effect from pre-existing. So here's how I think of it. I look at the label on my lotion I put on my skin and there's compounds on there that absolutely cause cancer. Yeah. Unequivocally, these are cancer-causing oh, compounds. Oh, there's a great... I put that on my skin every day. I know it has going to cause yep. it causes cancer, and yet I still put it on because the risk is still very low. And yet, I'm taking a SARM which has no evidence of causing cancer that says maybe someday, 20 years from now, it could be something to worry about. In my mind, to put it in context, I'm going to eliminate all topical lotions. I'm going to eliminate all processed foods. I'm not even going to leave my house and breathe the air outside and drink the water if I'm that worried about cancer because there's things that definitely cause Women's cosmetics. Like like guys, you know, with whatever, shaving products or lotion or something like that, you may put, you're starting to laugh. Like there are like three or four carcinogens that guys can come in contact with basically male type products. But the female focused products... They may come in contact with 40 or 50 per day carcinogenic chemicals. Acetophil, uh, that's like, that was considered like a miracle yeah. for hydration of skin. <laughs> thing, that's just I, like, just a chemical shitstorm of spent, like everything that's in there. It's terrible. I spent half my day reading those MSDS sheets and then some of the applications say for a parental or injectable versus um, something for cosmetics. You'll see some cannot be tolerated on the skin, that's carcinogen, but when given a different method, they don't. So when you go through it and you're looking at all these chemicals, they're all using cosmetics and industrial. Always those two. And when right. you see what they are, 
Yeah. You're like, yeah, it'll make you think twice. Right. So, Dr. Jacobs, give me an example of something that you expose yourself to every day that is a known carcinogen, and yet you expose yourself to it anyways. Sunblock. Sunblock. Uh-huh. I've actually yeah. just recently started using sunblock because, yeah. like I told you guys, I have a little rosacea. I turn red all the time. And I never really cared, but I, I just started using sunblock. It's just like I'm, I'm like always like red. Yeah. And I hate it. And your skin does absorb it. That's the other thing. Like you put a lotion on your skin, it's going into your skin. And so, uh, I mean, with, with rare exception of what you put on your body, it goes to the skin. Stream. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. bloodstream. Keep going because I did a <laughs> video on this and I got shit on for talking bad about skin block. Right. Well, it's like I use it because I really got to take better care of my skin because there'll be other problems with sun damage, things like that. But I know I don't really want to. And like I, I, I shower sometimes a couple times a day just to get that crap off when I'm done being outside. So like that, that's a perfect example. Um, shaving cream. There's carcinogens in some different types of shaving cream. Like I'm not going to not shave. Yeah. So, so Trevor, is what what do you expose yourself to on a daily basis that's carcinogenic, but you expose yourself to it anyways? The air. Uh, every <laughs> you have Wi-Fi signals hitting us. Wi-Fi, right now. cell no. phone, cell phone is yeah, it's a very, very strong carcinogen. They think that yeah, how many more thousand percent has binding higher higher binding affinity to the testicles versus female reproductive parts, mm-hmm. and it is the tower, the tower for your Wi-Fi box, and what is that? Waist height every time. Okay, so now to bring it back to SARMs. This is why anytime someone says SARMs causes cancer, I just, I think, am I insane? Or is everyone just absolutely ridiculous taking things out of context? There is no evidence that SARMs cause cancer, and yet we're speculating 20, 30 years down the road, it's a possibility. And so it becomes a fear, and uh, yet we're going to put stuff in our body and expose ourselves to things that definitely cause cancer and have minimal benefit. SARMs, extremely high benefit, no known risk of cancer, some possibility of it 30 years in the future, just because we don't know any different. Some could be cancer suppressive. You know, they are prostate. Yeah, for prostate. It could, equally, it could have an equal benefit <laughs> to killing cancer as to, what's, so that's, that's another response when someone says that. What's the alternative It could cause SARMs? cancer, but it could cure cancer What's too. the alternative to SARMs that we have for building muscle as an antibody? Steroids. Steroids cause cancer. Right, and let me say this: not this, but that's a brief or over generalization. Yeah, you, know, you hear that on CNN. So you also but, think the world is ending if you watch yeah. CNN. And it's <laughs> so, um, so you take steroids, testosterone, like you said. These things don't really cause it per se, but who's the guy making your steroid? Mm-hmm. I guarantee oh. in that bottle you have so much carcinogenic shit in yeah, there, yeah. and you put it past every defense system in your body. Every bottle you're buying online is causing cancer. Oh, you know what's more carcinogenic than the SARM itself? The coloring in the capsules that the SARMs go into. Oh, yeah. I yeah, the cellulose capsule has got all kinds of like food coloring yeah. in it. <laughs> Oh, all right, so that puts it in context. Let's see. Uh, so we talked about prostate cancer. We don't know if SARMs do. We talked about uh, IGF. Um, so we, don't, we haven't done enough studies to see exactly if SARMs affect IGF much. I don't think they affect IGF much. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything crazy out of range. IGF, so you guys know, is, in my opinion, the most readily accessible, most anabolic hormone in the body. 
and uh, it's also a little dangerous because it could grow cancer. But SARMs don't necessarily impact uh, IGF directly. I mean, there's there's secretagogues and things that are outside the class of SARMs, but inside the class of research chemicals that can. And then the fact that there's many different types of SARMs. So we're we're generalizing SARMs, but there are so many different types. It's possible that someday, 30 down, years down the road, one could cause cancer and the other 10 don't. We, we're just talking about SARMs in general. So does that conclude our cancer SARMs discussion, I think? Yeah. Put it in context for everybody that we haven't seen any incidences of it. We're going to continue to investigate it. I'll continue to get my lab work done on it to see if I have any markers for any cancer. Any study design. Ten times the dosage. We're going to ask what symptoms of rest. And just last thing, remember, this is, we're not talking about carterine GW. We did separate videos on that and cancer because that's not actually a SARM, so it's not part of this discussion. Be swole and swole, friends of freedom, pioneers of human evolution.